What's up, Pig Floopers, and welcome to another episode of Flooping the Pig. I'm Brad Garoon, and with me, as always, are Justin Houston and Kevin Ford. Today we're talking about three new episodes of Adventure Time, as we always do, and a few of them are doozies for one reason or another. Justin, why don't you start us off with the most, mm, I would say, ethereal episode of Adventure Time to date. Thank you. Yes. Uh, okay. So thank you. You're sort of getting off the beaten path with uh, away from Finn and Jake as much as we've really seen in the show so far by meeting Snow Golem, who doesn't really uh, have an actual name. He's just Snow Golem. And you sort of get a sense of his life. And uh, it's it's very simplistic, but he seems happy enough. He wears kind of a wooden wreath around his face. And uh, happily goes and picks some pears. And it's interrupted uh, one day by a pack of firewolves. And the firewolves sort of attack him. And he ends up, like, fending them off and uh, has to kind of put himself back together a little bit. But there's a fire pup left behind, which at first he just sort of dismisses. But it turns out the thing hides in his basket and, like, explodes outward when he gets home. And he kicks it out, but then he feels bad for it because it's shivering in the cold. And he can't take it back to the Fire Kingdom because it's getting late. So he brings it in. And the two bond over a variety of shenanigans that are absolutely adorable, uh, including little finger puppets and him trying to figure out how to feed this thing, uh, how to get him to not light stuff on fire. It's pretty adorable. And then they go to sleep. So they wake up, and the Fire Golem is dead set on taking this thing back to... It's pack of firewolves. Meanwhile, while this is going on, we've been steadily getting little bits of a story that involves the Ice King having stolen sandwiches uh, from Finn and Jake. And he is in this, he says it's an impenetrable ice armor of some kind. It's basically in the shape of his head or something with like little arms and legs, I think. So they're slowly whittling this thing down as he mocks them. They even sleep there for a time. Before finally uh, you see them again as he's taking them to the, the fire temple or fire kingdom, I guess. And they're just hacking it down with axes as he pleads for them to stop and he give the sandwiches back. Uh, so we leave them again and the snow golem puts kind of risks his own life and well-being theoretically. We've learned recently that you can go from a thing that you are to a different thing. He might have just evaporated and turned into another thing. Who knows? So anyway, uh, he risks life and limb to deliver this creature back to its, to its, what do you call a group of fire wolves? Pack. Pack. That'll work. So it's pack of uh, wolves and they're not even grateful. So they end up just sort of growling at him and he leaves and he's just basically like a walking pair of pants at this point with a face on the crotch. And he's very sad going back. We also see that as he's going back to his house, as he's passing, Finn and Jake have successfully gotten the Ice King out of his giant impenetrable uh, ice armor and have beaten him up and are enjoying sandwiches. Well, the wolf pack comes back and he gets really afraid they're going to attack him. And it turns out they just brought him back because the little pup wanted to say thank you, essentially, and kind of lick him on the face and play around with him, even though it's burning him into a puddle. And this worries Finn, thinking, is he getting hurt? And Jake says, no, I think he's laughing. And Finn says, don't they usually hate each other? 
and Jake says, oh, yeah, yeah, they're they're like mortal enemies. And Ice King says maybe we could learn something from their sandwiches. Finn kisses him on the cheek. And Ice King simply says, thank you. This is one of my personal favorite episodes to show just in general to get a kind of a loose feel on what the show can do and how broad it can be. But Kevin, I want to know what you think. I think Brad's word ethereal really well describes it. What's funny is when I was watching this episode, the when I, as I was watching it and seeing how there's there's very little dialogue in the episode outside of the the random couple of moments they show Jake and Finn battling the Ice King. My thought was, this is kind of like one of those short animated things they show at the beginning of like a Pixar movie or like a short animated film that's like, you know, even like a foreign film or something like that. It was it was very off the beaten path, but also very cool to see just them having to use these these new characters who can't speak and made a very emotional story. And it, again, it had a great lesson at the end. And I really liked Finn kissing uh, Ice King on the on the cheek and Ice King just be saying, thank you. Thank you. Before the episode ended, it was, it was good. It was very interesting, and uh, yeah, I can see why now. It um, we can get into this a little bit later, but it actually had a few potentials to be uh, an award-winning episode of the series. It's just, it's very interesting and very good. Well, I, I I agree with you. I think you nailed it. I I never put that together. Talking about it being like a Pixar short or a Disney short or, or a foreign film. The part that I like the most is watching the ice golem throughout the beginning of his day pour himself some pear and acorns, going to his grocery list and seeing that he needs more pears and acorns, putting on the wreath, getting the uh, why he needs that to go outside. We don't know. We never get into it. The way that he shops around for acorns or for pears and decides which ones are good. That's all great stuff. I think this is the first time Adventure Time did anything more experimental. Is that right? Have we talked about anything super weird that Adventure Time has done before? No, we haven't gotten into any of like Graham Fox episodes that are of much even more experimental than this. So I'd say this is this is the most. Yeah, for sure. In fact, I'm really glad that this episode exists because even though, well, I don't think actually I think that this until this past Monday, I think this was the most experimental. Graham Fox, the guy who Justin just mentioned, is the guy who um, he storyboards a few episodes coming up uh, that we'll talk about coming up, and they're and they're they don't feature a lot of dialogue, or if they do, they don't feature Finn and Jake all that much. And this past Monday was his third episode, and it was an episode called Sad Face that was really weird and animated very differently than the show usually is. And this episode, while not animated very differently, was the storyline was obviously quite different. They didn't quite get away from Finn and Jake completely, and the point of that was so that we could see the moral of the story being imparted onto Finn and Jake at the end. And and I think what I like about this the most is, even though it's about it's a beautiful episode about characters that we don't normally see, it causes a huge shift in the relationship bet- between Finn and Jake and the Ice King, which we see becomes more important. We'll talk about it even more in this episode of Flipping the Pig. Is there a police officer right outside your house? Yeah, there always is. <laughs> it is New York City, after all. It sounds um, like he's literally driving into your living room. So, whoop, 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 like really slowly. He was just making sure that I didn't give away any spoilers about the Graham Falk episodes. Oh, there That's you go. true, which I, I honestly think this is a good bridge. This was sort of like dipping the toe in the water where we're going to do something that audiences aren't used to, but we're still going to include Finn and Jake and let's see how they respond. And it was overwhelmingly positive, I think. Right. Which is that, ooh, can be just as satisfying to explore without these characters, really. Um, and that's what allowed them to do some of the, again, I, I can't even name them because a lot of the titles 
give away exactly what the episode's all about. But they, I, this, there's a history of them doing experimental stuff, and I think it kind of starts here. Well, there's so there's I like to think about Adventure Time experimental episodes being in two faction. There's the Graham Falk episodes, which are canon. They just they just capture a moment in Finn and Jake's lives or the lives of people around them that are a little bit different and don't and usually don't involve a lot of dialogue. And then there's the non-canon ones, and those are storyboarded, written, and directed by uh, people who aren't part of the Adventure Time family. And those are cool, too, for in a completely different way, and those are mostly about artistic choices. Although I think Sad Face, which we'll talk about in October, sort of bridges those two things, because it's both animated differently and only tangentially about Jake. Well, when we're done talking about it, I guess I can just mention some of the awards it was nominated for. And it didn't win anything, but the fact that it was nominated for some some pretty big stuff, or at least was potentially, is pretty cool. So it was nominated for the Best Animated Special Production Award for the Annie Awards, which is kind of this big annual animation film festival thing, so that's pretty cool. Um, it was actually made the short list of short films that were going to be nominated for the Academy Awards uh, Best Animated Short Film category. It was only one of 45, but it didn't make the cut for the final 10. But still getting in a one of 45 when they screened thousands of them, that's pretty cool. And it's worth noting that I don't know which film it was aired in front of, but this did air in a theater so it could qualify for awards such as this. So they definitely had that in mind when at least creating, or maybe when it was over, thinking they can do that. And then it was actually in the running for the animated short film award at the Sundance Film Festival in early 2013, although it did not win. The fact that, again, it was being nominated at Sundance is pretty awesome. So good for Adventure Time and good for Thank You. I'm looking now at Advent- at the list of awards that Adventure Time has been nominated for and won in general. The comics have actually won a lot of awards. It won the Eisner Award for Best Publication for Kids, the Harvey Award for Best Original Graphic Publication for Young Readers, and the Harvey Award for Special Award for Humor and Comics. But if you look at television, the animated television landscape is is vast, right? Mm-hmm. So, huge. So it's not surprising that they haven't won anything, but I am, I am pretty proud to say that it has been... Um, nominated for a lot like it's been nominated for primetime emmy awards in 2010 my two favorite people was nominated for best outstanding short animated program in 2011 it came from the nightosphere same thing in 2012 too young which we just talked about a couple weeks ago was nominated for the primetime emmy so it gets nominated for the primetime emmy emmy every year in 2013 we'll get to it uh it was nominated for two awards simon and marcy which is a very important episode was nominated for best short animated program and then uh, Andy Restaino, who um, I believe we talked about a couple weeks ago because he was part of the whole controversy with What Was Missing. Uh, he was nominated for Best, I think, Best Storyboard Artist, Best in- Outstanding in- Individual Achievement in Animation. And then that's just, they didn't, they never won. Actually, Andy Restaino won that award at the 2013 Primetime Emmys. So that's pretty cool. I think also I, it, it, the, the Annie Awards as well, because um, they've, steadily year after year done better in the annies which is i think the voice acting that like the voice acting version of emmys uh it won their i think it won their kids uh cartoon show and tom kenny won for voice acting um for the yeah. annie awards so that was sort of a big deal um as well i think it may have been the first time he ever won an emmy for uh an annie for voice acting which is crazy because he's been doing that for ages. I, he might have won before, but I, I, I kind of felt like that was the first time he'd won. But either way, yeah, this and this definitely deserves to be that sort of, I guess it's, it's probably not the first episode to, to really get um, huge critical acclaim. But when I think of episodes that I can show to anybody and anybody can get something out of it, 
um, from a kid to the snootiest um, film snob there is. I, I think it kind of reaches everyone. Oh, I just read the most exciting thing. So Rusteno, the Emmy Award that he won, was for his character designs on the episode Pahoy, which is my favorite episode of Adventure Time. It's a good one, and I, it's another one I can't wait to talk about. Um, Woohoo, Pahoy! I, I should mention, though, in the episode itself, we, we learned some interesting information about the Ice King in a few episodes here. So without spoiling that recap, because there's an episode between them, uh, Jake wears Ice King's crown in this episode, and we learn at... If after this set of episodes, if you thought about it, you go, wait a minute, that's sort of weird because of what we find out about uh, the Ice King's crown. But in reading the wiki, what you'll it'll make more sense later. But just remember that Jake already has magic powers. Okay, I'm gonna back that train up a second and say that this big reveal that comes up in two episodes that we talk about later in the in flooping. Um, <laughs> this is so I, stupid. I, no, it's not. <laughs> um, we'll get to it in a minute, but... Oh, fuck. You're right. Let's just talk about it later. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Okay, Kevin, talk to us about The New Frontier. This is a very interesting episode where Jake and Finn are kind of at odds, and the reason is because we start the episode and Jake is floating through space and he sees a rocket ship and a boy in a banana costume, and the Cosmic Owl wakes him up and Jake's kind of excited because he and he goes and reveals to Finn that he had what they call their croak dream, which is basically a dream you have before you're about to die or croak, as I guess they need to put in a children's show. And obviously Finn's pretty sad about this, especially since Finn wasn't in the croak dream. So in his mind, that maybe doesn't make him so important. And uh, but, but uh, uh, Jake makes an interesting note and he mentions that the rocket ships hadn't been reinvented yet. So his croak dream's not going to come for a while. And then just then, a, a, the door knocks, and they look outside, and it's the Banana Man, the same one from the croak dream. So they hide from him, and he goes away. And Jake kind of shares his theories on what happens when you'll die, talking about Glob and some other things. It's very interesting, him talking about the afterlife in the land of Ooh. And Finn doesn't want to hear it because he's only 13, and it will mess him up. So they decide to sneak over to this Banana Man's house and see what's going on. And all he's really doing is exercising in his room. And Finn decides that he wants to shoot this fire arrow at him to warn him. But each time it bounces back at them and flies everywhere and it never works. And so they go to retrieve the arrow again. And what do you know? The rocket ship from his croak dream happens to be outside the banana man's house. And this is where they start to get into a fight. Because Jake is ready to face his destiny and get into the rocket ship and see what happens. While Finn is not ready to let go. And eventually Jake lights the rocket ship on fire as the banana man sees this. And he comments that there are not enough boom boom stick hole sticks in the stick hole. So as Jake is ready to blast off, the rocket malfunctions. It opens up this giant hole in the earth and all of them fall through into this water. And then it goes back into the scene where Jake is in his croak dream again. And everything's the same except for now they're underwater in space and Finn is there. And he kind of realizes that that Finn is, is drowning here. So Jake picks up Finn and takes him to the surface and the Banana Man reveals that all he wanted was some sugar, and that's the reason why he went to Jake and Finn's treehouse. It turns out it really wasn't a croak dream after all. For Jake, at least. Because in the background as they're leaving, we see the Banana Man looks to have croaked on the shore. And uh, But the end of the episode is a video of the Banana Man dancing around. So maybe he's not dead after all. But uh, I really like this. I thought them dealing with, with uh, Jake's mortality was really interesting. I liked all the stuff they were talking about, the afterlife in the land of Ooh. And the thing about the rocket ship was pretty cool. And just it was really emotional, them fighting about this, about 
Finn being ready to face. I'm sorry, Jake being ready to face his destiny and Finn not wanting to. It was it was a very nice insight. I, I really liked this episode. It was kind of confusing at the time because it leads you to believe that the cosmic owl's presence always predicates a, like a croak dream. That's the way I interpreted it at first. And later on, I, I kind of, the, you, you realize he, he's just kind of a guy that shows up. Um, so, and it's important. It's important when he's there, but it doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean much. We've seen him before already giving some, you know, weird advice or just uh, analysis to ice King telling them that he's probably a sociopath. Um, so we saw him then. Uh, but I also, the thing I, I liked most of this episode is it, it goes back to this thing I think about Finn, which is just willpower that he, I really feel like this was where Jake was supposed to die. I mean, th- this really was, everything was set up the same except for Finn and because he wouldn't let this go, and because he kept pressing and just through sheer willpower and just showing up and just constantly like being a new, because everything's the same from the dream. It looks like outer space because everything's kind of broken, I think is what the reason was, or some lights pouring through. So it looks like stars in the distance. There's also a lot of broken glass. So that may be it too. Um, but Finn's there and Jake saves Finn because he doesn't want to see him uh, die. I'll also let you know, Banana Man's not dead. So um, I'm assuming that's why they put that little thing at the end. So so it wouldn't seem so dire. But I that's kind of what I took away from it. I, I don't think Jake was meant to die. I think that um, the Cosmic Owl's presence in dreams is just a premonition. I think whatever happens in the dream that features the Cosmic Owl is likely going to happen. But though Jake ran out of breath in the dream, he, he woke up before he actually died. And Jake running out of breath could have been his warning that Finn is going to run out of breath when this actually happens. Uh, also, if they were in space, Jake would not have been able to hold. He could have held his breath as much as he wanted. His his blood would have poured out of his pores because of the vacuum of space. I love the Banana Man. Also, yes or no? Does he come back? Yeah, the Banana yeah. Man comes back. Okay, I don't want to know any more than that. Yeah, he he comes back. Yeah, so uh, just based on things that have happened before. Like him telling the Ice King that he's a sociopath. Well, the Ice King is a sociopath. He's in this croak dream, quote unquote croak dream. Um, but we, as we are going to start finding out more and more, Jake doesn't know everything. He proclaims to know a lot of things that he doesn't know. And I think this is just one of those things. Because the Cosmic Owl does return in dreams and nobody dies. That's true. And again, it's sort of also, I don't know, it's, this flies in the, the face of, um, yeah, have we gotten the Jake versus me mail? Yeah, we. we yeah, that was last week. episode. I thought it was. Way okay. to way to be in the in in the show. Yeah, I know, right? Um, it, it sort of flies in the face of that episode where he's desperately trying to save his life the entire time. Here, he sort of because the cosmic owl was involved, um, he's sort of just okay with it. He doesn't question right. how ridiculous. Well, it is. I think Jake is religious, and so when it doesn't seem like you know, I, if you were like be, being held at gunpoint, you're going to beg for your life. But if you're if you're a religious person and you think that essentially one of the people you worship tells you it's time for you to go, then you're going to think it's your destiny and you're going to be excited about it. Yeah, and that's uh, that's kind of an interesting take I think from the characters that it seems like a kind of a comment on religion, and it it just it's a very strict difference between Jake and Finn in that 
with Finn, it's just life is sacred. It's not about anything higher or lower than that. Maybe because he's so young, he hasn't formed those connections um, or thought about it beyond, um, you know, something as simplistic as, you know, where do we come from? But it's just a really staunch difference that um, Finn (laughs) does not want to accept. And it's one that hasn't been explored that much in the show, honestly. What I really like about this episode is Finn's intense anxiety over the concept of death. Not just his buddy dying, but just the, the concept of that death is a thing. He doesn't even want to talk about it. And that's how I feel about death. I'm, I'm very anxious about it. I have to put it out of my mind. I, really le- I, I could really relate to that. When I was younger, it was even worse. Like When I first learned what death was, I think I just flipped out and was like, it's not fair. This is nonsense. And I still kind of get that way sometimes. And I really need to, if I'm not in a good space, avoid it. And you know what I found that I think is kind of interesting? It's when everything else in my life is going really well that I have the most anxiety about death. When I have something to lose. There's that, and it's like you're not it, – it's a, it's a Maslow thing too. Like I'm not – if I'm not thinking about how I can make my job go forward, how can I find a girl, how can I get a better apartment, if I'm not thinking about those things which are more basic, then the next level up is like, well, now let me examine my life a little bit, and holy shit, I can't escape this. Oh, hey, Mark Marin, when did you jump on the podcast? Come on. You know, I watched Marin last night or yesterday, and I didn't think that I was that Marin. I could I, I, I could see you really critiquing The Walking Dead like he did, though. No, I, I, I actually watched The Walking Dead for three seasons, and the, and I so my opinion that it sucks is based in more knowledge than his. <laughs> okay, fine. You know what would really help you with, with the fear of death? If what? you almost die. I've almost died a bunch of times. Really? Like, like, really? On, like, you're on the edge of, like, this is it, and your eyes close, and you're like, well, these aren't opening again. Uh, it didn't happen like that. I was, in a, I was in a car in Wyoming in a bad winter storm on the expressway, and it spun out, and we got hit by a semi. I was driving a Grand Marquis. We got hit by a semi and an expedition, and before, before both of those cars hit us, I saw them coming. And I was like, oh, sh- this is – and I at first I was like, this is a dream. I'm going to wake up. This is a dream. And I'm like, no, it's not. You remember everything that happened to you leading up to this point. This is all very real. And it all felt very slow. And then, I, and then you know, I, I survived. That was wonderful. But it was, it was quite awful. Also, the, the girl in the passenger seat screaming, we're going to die, we're going to die, we're going to die. That didn't help either. Fantastic. Yeah. That did not make me appreciate life at all. It made me hate the Wyoming Police Department. No, I mean not a. I don't mean it is a way to appreciate life, but a, a way to not fear death. Oh, I'm super scared of it. Like I'm super glad I didn't die that day. <laughs> That's all I took from that. Life is awesome, man. I don't want to go anywhere. Everything is. I don't awesome. either. But if something happened, if something just happens, like if I start my car and it explodes, that would suck, man. No, it wouldn't. I'd have no concept of it. It would suck for the rest of us. Well, yeah, but I don't have to be around to see you wallow in it. I, I don't know. Pre-birth is so lame, and that's what—that's probably where we all go. You think so? Well, I don't know what pre-birth is. I just, that was just a Futurama reference, but I, I yeah, kind of. I think we all go to a sexy cave. That'd be awesome, except I hate caves. <laughs> so but if they're sexy chicks, you'd love it. I'd love it. Then, then you'd be anxious if they thought you were great, and then you need their approval. <laughs> it would be a whole thing. Why do you know everything about me? <laughs> <laughs> You're very open. Let's talk about Holly Jolly Secrets. All right, Brad, take it away. So, Holly Jolly Secrets. Is this the first two-parter in Adventure Time history? No, The Lich. The Lich was a two-parter? was. Was it not? Wait, it was? Oh, you're this right, is... it was. It was. 
This is more like a half-hour episode, really, though. Well, this is, yeah, it's a much tighter connection than Mortal Folly and Mortal Recoil were. In it, Finn discovers, or sorry, Jake discovers a box full of uh, secret tapes in the dump. And Finn remembers that he saw the ice cream, the ice cream? He saw the Ice King bury those tapes in a pile of boogers and then play with those boogers because the, uh, the Ice King knew that no one could ever see those tapes. Our boys decide that they want to have a secret viewing party for the tapes with just the two of them and BMO. So to make sure that nobody knows about this party, Jake puts flyers all over Ooh saying that it's a secret party and that no one is invited except for Finn, Jake, and BMO. Now this foolproof plan <laughs> leads to the Ice King showing up at the treehouse with uh, gifts in tow, begging to watch the tapes with them. Point of fact, the tapes are viewed by shoving them inside BMO's butt. So BMO, we find here, is not... He, I, 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 my complaint here is BMO's not built to scale, or not drawn to scale. His, his shape changes in size. So Finn and Jake start watching the tapes as Ice King's trying to get in, and they find that it's mostly Ice King's sad video diary, where he laments being uh, lonely, he talks a lot to his penguins, he dresses up like princesses and like Marceline and does a rendition of Daddy, Why Did You Eat My Fries? That's pretty wonderful. And then Ice King discovers that this is going on. He, he tricks BMO into facing the window, so he sees that it's him on the tapes. And then he spends the rest of the episode trying to break in. And then he does break in through the chimney. And things start to look a lot more like Christmas around this time. It gets snowy in the treehouse. Ice King has an army of uh, snowmen. His clothes get all dirty, so he takes them off and puts on red, and so he looks like Santa Claus. And just as he's about to stop Finn and Jake, they watch the final tape, and it's the oldest tape, and it's one that Ice King made before he was the Ice King. He was a man named Simon Petrikov, who, who was an archaeologist and discovered a crown in Scandinavia. That changes the way he thinks, and he ostracized his fiance or girlfriend, Betty, and she he doesn't know what he said to her, but since he took the crown off and got his wits back, he, she's disappeared and he can't find her, so she must have run away. And we get to see the world start to freeze over and Ice King transform into the Ice King. So Finn and Jake have learned this horrible, horrible secret about the Ice King, and he finally admits to them that, yes, he used to wear glasses. And so, uh, because Finn felt sorry for Ice King for a brief moment, they invite him to come watch videos with them and cuddle up by the fire once a year, along with Marceline, Princess Bubblegum, LSP, Cinnamon Bun, a booger, Shelby, and a few other characters, uh, you know, like that guy and the other guy. It, it's pretty lovely. It's a, it's a pretty great Christmas episode without actually, you know, saying that it's a Christmas episode, which, uh, as a Jew, I appreciate. And... It gives you a huge, huge piece of information about the Ice King, that he was a normal guy before, and a smart guy before the crown corrupted him, that the crown made him invincible, that he's been around since Ooh was Earth, and that, as far as we know, he may have had a hand in causing the apocalypse. At least at this point, that's sort of what it seems. Justin, I, I'm curious about what you think, but first I want to get the noob's perspective. So, Kev, what did you think of this one? Yeah, this the Ice King reveal was very surprising. Uh, it was very cool. I like the video of him transforming into it. And man, do I feel really sorry for the Ice King now. It explains so much about him as to why he's always seeking companionship, whether it be from one of the princesses or from Finn and Jake. 
it, it really just puts him in a brand new light. And I do think that going back a couple episodes to thank you, it really ties things together. And you see their, their relationship evolving. And yeah, I mean, the episode was funny watching those videos. I loved the Marceline video where he's singing that song. That was easily my favorite. And it, it was a good holiday special, so to speak. But man, that, that really got to me. It uh, made me feel some feelings. Uh, I mean, it's incredible. It was an episode that I actually missed when I started going through them again, um, just because I don't know why I missed it, but I, I didn't end up catching it. And so it was around Christmas that I thought, oh, we'll just I'll take a look at this. This, you know, I'll actually get around to seeing this. And the ending is just when you don't expect it, it really is just a slap to the face. And that's why uh, Jake's line drama bomb uh, is just so perfect um, to like take you back into the fact that this is a cartoon because you're absorbed in this guy's personal pain. And even like Finn and Jake, you know, forever and ever from this, they, uh, they, they, I think they treat him a, a little less like a villain they need to thwart and a little more like, uh, an uncle they really wish wouldn't come over anymore. Totally. And we find, and then this also, you know, this Simon Petrikov business is far from over. We, we get to learn more and more about Simon we get to learn more about about the history of Ooh. It's great. It's it, it this kind of blows open uh, a lot of the backstory that we've been you know getting little peeks at, and um, and I love it. I love I love everything Simon Petrikov related. Specific to this season, or uh, more to the point? Uh, well, no, I guess it's not this season. It's uh, it doesn't come for. I thought it. I thought it was at the end of this season. It's not for a really really long time. Um, the crown itself becomes uh, something very important. And that's what I was alluding to in the first episode, the fact that Jake wore the crown and it didn't didn't change anything about him. It didn't do anything. And the reason they gave was because he already has magic abilities. So I guess it negates it. Who said that? Um, the, 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 Adam Mucho did. Okay, because, you know, a few episodes ago in Fiona and Cake, it's, you know, it's Simon, Ice King, is the one narrating that story. And in that story... Cake puts on the crown of the Ice Queen, and Fiona immediately tells her to take it off because it'll make her crazy. So that was a bit of a, a you know, a, a hat Ooh, tip. I didn't notice that. Yeah. yeah. That'll make a lot more sense when you, uh, Kevin and other people, if you're kind of going along. End of when season you get four. to Yeah, yeah. Well, not only that, but this past season, um, when you find out um, more about Simon, uh and you find uh, I, I can't really give away much more than that, but um, it's uh, it's it's obvious they had a plan here, and that they're they're executing it brilliantly. And that's that's the thing. That's what makes it so perfect, is because this is just a, a cute episode that you think is sort of like uh, their version of of you know the origin of Christmas, and what it really is is um, a look at the dark sadness in the past of the Ice King that makes him. The way he is, even though he's oblivious to it. Let's we'll just talk about how great Adventure Time is in general. I do it all the time. Every time <laughs> a new episode comes out, that just, uh, I do. Uh, what's happening right now is how I feel about it. It's just like yeah. no one. This show is not getting the kind of viewership that it deserves. I mean, look, millions of people watch it. That's all well and good, and it's you know more and more every season, which is great. Or actually, not more and more every season, but the season season six premiere was very you know well watched, which I'm happy about. But this show is on nationally. It's on basic cable. I know it's on early, but I, I just feel like if, especially people who are really geeks about things the way that we are geeks about things, or 
they would get so into it so fast. There's just so much to take in from Adventure Time. Adventure Time fandom, I don't know. I just feel like it's not there the way that it should be. And given the the, the huge storylines that go through it, while not taking itself too crazy seriously until mm, a little bit in season six, but I'm sure they'll they'll get they'll get away from that. Um, it's just brilliant. It's just so good. And what I think I like about it the most is that you don't have Adam Mudo and Penn Ward and uh, Rebecca Sugar. You don't have them going around uh, basically just giving interview after interview, revealing everything the way that the creators of every other popular show do. And I like that it, it leaves a lot to your imagination. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I haven't, there, honestly, I can't think of an animated show that had this run of just episode after episode being so different and so can't miss since early Simpsons that I grew up on. Um, it just, it seemed like every episode there was just something that, I mean, in this show, it, there's tons of stuff. There's stuff that can shock you, scare you, uh, make you laugh incredibly hard, make you think, make you feel. Um, and that's a power that I, honestly, I can't think of another a show, a TV show at all other than the Simpsons that really, um, could do that for me personally. And every episode that goes by, you want to just scream it at people's faces that the, the, the show just doesn't really have bad episodes. Um, ones that you can just easily dismiss without there being something there worth your time. Except the lemon grab episodes. Incorrect. Those are the most important. If anything, <laughs> you can skip everything else and just watch lemon grabs. Well, I guess if you're talking about lemon hope, then sure, but not lemon grab. <laughs> oh, lemon hope. Lemon Hope, I didn't even think was important until I discovered this weird thing about it that we'll talk about in October. <laughs> well, actually, he's seen it. H- haven't I, you seen it, Kevin? I have yeah, seen but it. we're not talking about it on the podcast. I know, but we can talk about it off air. Fine, let's do that. Well, what's next? Well, first, we got to talk about the snail search. Oh, yeah. I forgot I do that still. I was like, he's setting you up, Kevin. <laughs> Oops. I don't know why, but I was like, oh, yeah, time for Twitter. Nope, I still have the snail search to do. I have to talk about guest voices, man. I know. Nobody I was cares about that, but I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. All right, so the snails for this week. And thank you. He's just in a tree waving as the snow golem is walking in the ice forest with his little wheelbarrow to get some pears. In the New Frontier, he is on the rocket ship when Jake jumps onto it after winning the fight with Finn. In Holly Jolly Secrets Part 1, he is seen when Finn and Jake are digging the hole that leads them to the Ice King's tapes. And in Holly Jolly Secrets Part 2, he is in the background at the end when everyone is together watching BMO. That's it. Pretty easy snails this week. Pretty easy voices this week, too. The only guest voice was Banana Man, voiced by Weird Al Yankovic. You know, Weird Al Yankovic was my first concert ever. He sat on my mom's lap because we were sitting in the front row. That's awesome. He also gave her a bloody handkerchief, which was freaking weird. <laughs> that is weird. But yeah, Weird Al's always going to be good in my book. Poor guy. You know, his parents both died together in a carbon monoxide poisoning freak accident. Yeah, sucks, man. Bummer. Such a Why bummer, man. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm on the end of a juice cleanse. I, I'm thinking about crazy stuff. <laughs> and that's the only one of those. So, Justin, take us to Twitter. Uh, Justin J. Houston's to Twitter. I do a column called Rubbed Raw. I have no idea if I have to do one in this coming week. No clue. I think it's taped, so screw it. I'm not going to do it. Um, and then there's also a, other stuff that I do, but I do them all with Kevin, so he can tell you what they are. So coming back this week, Justin and I are recording a new episode of Viva Chikara, the first one in many, many months, talking about Chikara Pro's big return 
on May 25th. So if you're a fan of that company or just hearing mine and Judd's voices, there's actually someone who left an iTunes review saying that. So if you're one of those people, go ahead and check that out. And of course, you can find that and every single episode of Flooping the Pig on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Just search for PWP Podcast and subscribe. Leave a nice five-star review or maybe some comments if you feel like it. You get all the podcasts earlier that way. Or you can keep going to pwponderings.com and downloading them there. Follow PW Ponderings on Twitter. And follow me on Twitter at K413. Brad? You can follow me on Twitter at Garoongate. And if you look back a little bit, I probably won't have tweeted much since then. I tweeted live-tweeted the first day of my cleanse. And I doubt it was interesting, but I was upset. So I had to talk about it. And you can follow me on Burger Weekly because I like burgers. And you will get hungry reading that. That was very hard to monitor this week, what with not eating any solid food. That's it. DG Cool Kids Table never gets updated. It's also not really about DG that much anymore. So don't, don't worry about following that. Just follow us on, on, on Garoon Gate and, and Burger Weekly and everything that the other guy said. And, you know, remember to flip the pig. I flip the pig. Mm-hmm.